If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Green Dreamer is supported by our listener patrons. And to be really honest, I can really use your direct support during this time. Please, of course, do take care of yourself and your loved ones first. But if you are able to become a patron starting at just $2 per month, you can head to greendreamer.com support to learn more. And thank you so, so much to our existing patrons. It really helps a lot. I hear a lot of people use that language of, you know, we're disconnected from nature. Well, how can we be disconnected from nature? If you are the earth, how can you be disconnected from, from her? I learned a new word in the last two years that I think is a more accurate description of what our current relationship is. That word is dissociation. Dissociation meaning something that you are, but you no longer associate, you no longer recognize as yourself. That was Farmer Rishi, a former software engineer who turned into a gardening evangelist and small-scale farmer using gardening for personal, social, and ecological healing. He is also the executive director of Sarvodaya Institute, co-founder of Healing Gardens Community, and lead gardening educator for the nonprofit Kiss the Ground. And on a personal side note here, I am one of Rishi's students in his regenerative gardening course and highly recommend you come check it out especially during this social distancing time that's really revealed how vulnerable we are when we really rely on centralized and globalized food systems. So to learn more about this course, you can head to kisstheground.com. So this episode was actually recorded live before the social distancing protocols began. If you're a regular listener, you may notice some differences in our audio quality with the portable mics that we used and us just being outdoors. So I wanted to give you a heads up on that. And basically, I had the opportunity to go and visit one of the regenerative gardens that Rishi helped to transform from a plain lawn. And that was actually for episode one of our new video series, Seeding Change. You can watch that video episode on our YouTube channel at greendreamer.com YouTube. Even if you've already seen that video though, which focuses on what regenerative gardening is all about, this is our full audio conversation. So you're going to get a lot more additional insights like why we need to distinguish the differences between degenerative vocabulary and regenerative vocabulary, why the concept and terminology of waste 
waste in of itself may set us up for failure when trying to live in more regenerative ways and more. Green Dreamer, if you're ready, take a deep breath and let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast exploring our paths to ecological balance, intersectional sustainability, and true abundance and wellness for all. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. My name is Farmer Rishi, and I am an urban gardener. Sometimes I call myself an urban peasant. I've been working here in the urban gardening, urban farming in Los Angeles for the past 10 years. I, I grew up here. And basically what I do as a gardener, first of all, I, I try my best to take care of the, the land that I am part of, the land that I've had the joy to be a part of here in LA. And the second part of what I do is I I try to pass along the understanding that I've received from the gardens I've worked in and am part of to, to people around LA and, and through my online courses around the, you know, the country or the globe. And how did you get started doing all this? Or how did you become interested in regenerative gardening? I became interested, well, like I said, I've been in, in gardening for about 10 years. And, and at that, when I started out in this, there was no term regenerative gardening. There was sustainable gardening and there was organic gardening. And, and the reason I got into it was, was more about my, my personal health. I think my stomach, more than anything, got me into, into gardening because I was having a lot of digestive problems and I've, I've had digestive problems my whole life. And so my, my stomach kind of guided me towards more nutritious food and, and I was always trying to learn about like what I could eat to uh, kind of enliven my body. And now what I do has, has really changed as I've understood more and more and now the term that I use is regenerative gardening. And what's gotten me into that is understanding that in a very deep way that we are not separate from this earth and that we are this earth. And the part of regenerative gardening that speaks to me is really being able to understand and feel on a physical level, like on a body level, that we are this earth. And that's, that's what I try to convey through my work. And I know that you find it really important to encourage regenerative practices in urban environments. Can you talk more about why you focus on this intersection? Yeah, uh, so much of sustainability and environmentalism is about protecting something, some idea of nature that is out there. You have to go to, you have to leave the city to get out to the nature, and then that nature over there, it needs to be protected. And that's the most important work that we can do. And one of the, the key understandings that the garden has given me is that we are nature and everything that we create is nature and that there is no there is no separation right there's the urban world is not separated from nature concrete is nature asphalt is nature and so the again like the understanding that i try to convey is that it's not something out there that needs healing i mean there is there is something out there that needs healing but there's also something 
right here that needs healing. There's also something right here that needs healing. And we don't need to go anywhere to find that, right? It's all, like, everything is here in front of us. I think urban gardening is really important because it really helps us see very clearly under that asphalt and under that concrete there is soil. And that soil, she has worth. And she has never lost her worth. She has value and she has never lost her value. And she has power and she has never lost her power. But what has been done is she has been suffocated, she's been abused, she's been covered over, she's been told she's worthless. And what we do as gardeners is we we come to that soil and we're kind of like therapists. We say, hey, I understand what's happened to you. And, you know, the same thing has happened to myself. And as I'm understanding what's happened to myself, I'm understanding what's happened to you. And let's come into a relationship again where we build each other up and help each other express our inner message. And, and that's what we do as gardeners. I feel like a big problem that we have is our broken relationship with nature. So a lot of people talk about our disconnect from nature. In actuality, what that might be is just we've sort of built a wall between ourselves and nature, even within urban environments. I think it goes beyond that. Like, I hear a lot of people use that language of we're disconnected from nature. Well, how can we be disconnected from nature? How can we be disconnected from the earth? We, if you are the earth, how can you be disconnected from, from her? And I learned a new word in the last two years that I think is a more accurate description of what our current relationship is. And that word is dissociation. Dissociation meaning something that you are, but you no longer associate, you no longer recognize as yourself. And so for me, I, what I see is that we are no longer recognizing ourselves in the earth. We're no longer recognizing ourselves in soil and plants and trees. So it's not that we're disconnected. We can't be disconnected. We are dissociated. And so what gardening really helps us do is understand, again, this relationship that it's not like I need to get back in connection with the earth. It's not that I need to, there's no bridge I need to cross, right? I just need to realize who I am. It's sort of a mindset. It's all in our heads. Absolutely. If there's a wall, it's just in your head. So you do what you call regenerative gardening today. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on the primary issues that may be caused by the modern ways or the typical ways of gardening. So where people might buy everything they need at the store or, you know, apply this, apply that. In your typical form of gardening, even in your, your standard, I would say, organic gardening, the way that you view yourself, the role that you think that you have in the garden, right? There's this, this sense of, of needing to control and needing to be the master of and being in charge of on top of I do a visualization with all my students in my classes and I always always ask them to visualize themselves in their garden and how how big of a role do they feel in their garden and inevitably most people come back and say like I felt like there's so much I had to do and there's there's so many things for me to take care of and so many things for me to to make sure are being done and that sense of having a, a big role is, it's true. That's one part of it. But then you gotta, you kinda gotta zoom up and see yourself in the garden from that bird's eye view and see that you're just like the squirrel kinda running around, that you're not the controller, you're not in charge. You just, you have a role. 
you know, you have a role in this body. So the shift that I present in regenerative gardening is that we just need to find out what our role is, right? And we're not, we're not necessarily in control. We can have a big role, uh, especially in, the, in a garden that has been really, with soil that has been very abused, you can have a, a tremendous role, especially in the beginning, in helping to uplift that soil. But as that garden matures, you'll see that role, your role kind of diminishes to the point where you're just, like I said, you're just like the squirrel, you're just like the bird, you're just like the worm. And so that's the perspective shift. And then on a practical aspect, the shift is not trying to, it, it still comes back to like a perspective shift of not trying to say, this is the garden that I, that how it should be. And I need to keep it in that state all the time. So think about your conventional landscaping. There's like a shape that the tree should have. And you should always keep the tree to that shape. And there's a shape that the bush should have. And there's everything has a specific, a should. This should look like this. This should look like this. This should look like this. And I need to keep everything looking like it should. And so in regen- what I offer in regenerative gardening is, is that we kind of step away from that and say, okay, here's this soil. Like, how can I help this soil express itself? How can I help this tree? You know, what is this tree asking of me? How can I assist this tree in her own expression? How can I assist, assist this flower in her own expression? And it's, you're, you are that, you're kind of that helper and you're going around and you're, you're really asking and you're observing and saying, what is it that this poppy plant needs? Is it, what, what is she asking of me? And, and fulfilling that role. So when people have this mindset that is more controlling and they're trying to realize this vision that they have in their minds of what they want their gardens to look like, what sorts of issues might that actually cause in, in practice? If you're trying to control everything, number one, you're going to feel stress, you're going to feel anxiety. And my number one rule with regenerative gardening is if it's not regenerating you, it's not regenerative because you are the earth and you are the garden. So if you're stressed and you're your to-do list has, has cascaded into a thousand different things, then that's not regenerative gardening. And I find that if you have that control mindset, if you have that, that, that mastery mindset, then you're gonna, it's gonna affect you. Second, like, when we talk about resources, and, and, and I think you mentioned like the idea that we need to keep buying things to make the garden look as it should, that has a, a I guess a more tangible physical impact of where constantly like buying things to to fix things are broken and they need to be fixed and that again it just kind of it ends up spiraling a little out of control which is basically like where our agriculture is today it's just the need to control has basically led us to just essentially rape the land and and then wonder hey oh what's wrong with the soil like what did i i don't get it like you kind of step back and look at it, it all makes sense. So fundamentally, when people talk about degeneration and regeneration, what exactly is that referring to? Is that referring to the soil, to the biodiversity? What exactly would be the differences between a garden that is regenerative versus one that is degenerative? For me, degeneration is a viewpoint where we see all these beings as separate and the goal, because of that separation, is to dominate the other, right? So in traditional gardening, even in traditional organic gardening, 
the viewpoint is, okay, here's this tree. It, this tree needs all the nutrients. Pull out all the plants around this tree. Make sure there's no weeds around the tree because they are going to be taking nutrients from the tree. And that's, there's a competition going on and there's a limited amount of, re of energy resources and those need to be split between these separate beings. Regenerative gardening flips that on its head and says, we're not separate. This tree does not exist separate from the poppy and the oxalis and the fungi and the bacteria. And they're not in competition, they're in union. And there is no limit of resources. The idea of resources running out doesn't make any sense because where are they going? Where is the water gonna go? Where is the nutrients gonna go? They're all still here on Earth. Like, there's no way to run out of resources. There's a way to misplace resources. So, there's not a limited amount of resources for this tree. There's not a limited amount of resources for these plants. Together, working together, learning how to cooperate, they can learn to cooperate and thrive and share. And that includes, you know, the key part in regenerative gardening is that includes me. And that includes you. We are not separate. And I am not in competition with this tree and I'm not in competition with you. So that's why I really try to emphasize like, if it's not healing you, then reconsider what you're doing. So maybe we've also been imposing our idea or our dissociation from nature to nature itself. So we feel like we are separate to nature or in our minds, we think we're separate to nature. So then when we look at the elements of nature that we want, we feel like that's the one thing we should focus on and nothing else really matters when in fact they're all connected and we're a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's this uh, tendency and I, 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 you, you notice all these things in our language too. You know, our language is such a reflection of our culture. And this is, we always say, I need to find the root of the problem, right? And so, okay, so even if we're looking for the root of the problem, we look for one root, right? And if you're a gardener, you know that the plant doesn't have one root. It has thousands of roots. And beyond that, it is not the, the roots of the plants are feeding the plant, but beyond that, the soil is, is feeding those roots, right? So I've begun to ask, what is the soil of the problem? What are the, the overall conditions that allow the problem to form? Because the, even in a, in a garden, when you understand soil in a, in a more deep way, the soil actually chooses the plant that grows. So a very fertile soil like what we've built here, it won't grow the spiny, weedy plants. They won't grow in this soil because the soil has changed to the point where it doesn't want that plant. So I would ask, what is the soil of the problem? And so is carbon the soil of climate change? No. Carbon is a symptom. Carbon is the plant, the weed, the so-called weed grown out of control. But carbon is not the problem. What is the soil? of climate change and the, the soil of climate change is really all up here. It feels like our ego has become too large, even in our ways of looking at how, how can we fix these environmental issues, right? So we're trying to create or invent or innovate these solutions completely out of our minds when in reality the solutions might just be out here. 
Absolutely. Um, we're so engrossed in, I don't even want to say engrossed in ourselves, but we're just so dissociated, right? We're so, we're so unable to see what's right in front of us that we, we're kind of spinning in our minds about how to fix the problems. Anytime I hear anyone say fix, I feel like that's become like a trigger word for me now. Like, there's nothing to fix. Nothing is broken. No one is broken. The soil isn't broken. The tree, the forests aren't broken. The soil has suffered trauma. The trees have suffered trauma. We have suffered trauma. Like, we're not, we don't need to be fixed. We're responding exactly as we would to the trauma we've experienced. So, what do we need? Well, we need community. We need to be able to express ourselves. We need to be able to process the, the trauma that we've experienced in a healthy way. We need to find healing and we need to feel this. We need to reassociate with our body. And I mean, I, I could go on about this, but <laughs> just, yeah, it, it's frustrating to listen to the news. It's frustrating to see, for me, a lot of what the environmental movement spends its energy on. And that's why I do this, because I feel like there's very few people, everyone wants to fix the problem, but no one wants to spend the time with the earth to understand what she's asking. And so that's why I think gardening is really important, because this is the time that you get to spend. Like here, is, here is time that you're allowing yourself to actually, this, this being that you say you care so much about, everyone's like, oh, I care about Mother Earth, I care about Mother Earth, Have, how much time do you spend with her? How much time do you spend actually listening to what she's saying? So before you try to fix anything, why don't you listen and see what is she saying? What is the soil saying? I think especially at this time when there's so much information on the internet, a lot of people turn to the internet to kind of Google solutions. Or even if they wanted to get into gardening, they might look for instructions online for specific things that they need to do. So. How much does that get in the way of us really being able to help to regenerate our bioregional landscapes around us? The internet is a dark hole. And I think as a society, we're starting to understand that. And yeah, the internet really feeds that our anxious mind and it gives us, there's so much food out there for our, for our thoughts to spin. And that's not where we need to go. And again, like I hear it so much from the environmental organizations, environmental movements, like plant a trillion trees, right? There's a thing going on right now about planting a trillion trees. Okay, like, yes, I agree that probably we need to plant somewhere around a trillion trees. But which tree? Where? How? What else are we, like, just planting the trees is not gonna, the trees don't exist of, in and of themselves, right? The trees don't thrive without the soil. The three trees don't thrive without the bees and the butterflies that pollinate them. The trees don't thrive without the insects. And the trees, again, like I will reiterate so many times, the trees do not thrive without us, right? So, yeah, it's great to go to plant a tree, but who, which person is going to be in relationship with that tree after it's been planted? And that's like a, that trillion trees thing is like something that I'm a little bit more on board with. There's all sorts of other ideas, silver bullet ideas, the root of the problem ideas that I'm totally not on board with. And it's, yeah, it all comes down to just not, not listening. We're not listening. We don't, we don't hear. And, and we think that the plants have nothing to say. We think that the soil has nothing. We think, not only that, we think that they're dead. 
and that's reflected again in our, in our old gardening practices, our farming practices. But it's the soil. It's a place for the roots to put themselves. Where does the food come from? Oh, we put nitrogen fertilizer, we put this fertilizer. The plant's unable to have no immune system. We need to put pesticides. Like, it's this idea that there's no intelligence there. There's no intelligence here. And, and frankly, there's no intelligence here, right? Because I need to follow the instructions of some expert out there rather than paying attention and listening to what's going on right here. One of the things that's really struck me in my kind of learning and growth process is how our words and our language really blind us from seeing what's in front of us, what's actually happening. And so I've been, I've been kind of making this list of words, like a degenerative vocab and a regenerative vocab. A couple of them are like, and I feel like I'll piss off a lot of environmental groups and environmentalists with this list, but like, the first one for me is, is waste. Waste meaning I cut this plant down. Now this is plant waste. This has no value. This is worthless. This needs to be thrown away. And moving away from that idea of waste completely and saying, no, this is a gift. And where is this gift needed? Where can I, where can I offer this gift? And who's wanting to receive this gift? And I'm talking about in every sense, plastic included we've created all this plastic. We then call it waste. So then of course there's no solution, right? So where is that gift of where does that gift of plastic need to go? And then the other big one for me, and I, this is the one that kind of like eats at me when I listen to interviews and like podcasts and stuff is, is this word natural. What's more natural? We gotta do, do what nature does. Follow nature's example. Again, what's the definition that we're using there? And I, I actually looked this up. I looked up Oxford's definition of nature. It goes something like, all plants, animals, insects, and their products as opposed to humans and human creations. How crazy is that? So we have this definition of nature and natural, which is that whatever's nature is whatever we didn't touch and whatever we didn't create, right? And then once we touch it, it's unnatural and it's like this terrible thing. And we're looking for something, right? When we say, oh, that's, this is the natural way to do things, we're, we have an idea of what that is, but we're using the wrong word. And that word is very important because every time we say, oh, natural food, natural product, natural this, look what nature does, like, yeah, look what nature does. Nature poured this parking lot. So should I do... Do we need to keep doing what nature does? Should I just pour parking lots everywhere? We need to look at what is healthy. What makes us feel whole? What's good for, what's, what's not even good? What's energizing for us? And stop looking to, stop putting that wall up and saying, oh, do what that thing over there is doing. There's no other thing. So I have a few more, but uh, I think I gave you like an easy one and the main one. Okay. <laughs> I totally agree with the whole conversation around waste. In my mind, I'm like, waste only becomes waste if you waste it. Yeah. Or if you just like, once you call it waste. I think about that with food waste too, because people talk about food waste or don't waste any food. You have to eat everything. 
it's not realistic for people to always literally eat everything, but that is still a resource. Even if you don't finish it, like that can go somewhere that can help regenerate other things. Exactly. So, and that's when you have that, that incomplete view, right? Like that says, finish your food, even when you're full. That's when the food actually becomes something that is damaging you, yeah. right? Like now you're overeating. That's not regenerating for you either. That's not regenerative for you. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, it's, if you're full, stop eating. Think about where this could be a gift to you elsewhere. Exactly. So it gives you a better, when you have the right language, it gives you a better framework to, under, to understand what the question is even. So this garden that we're speaking at, this used to be like a lawn. So pretty much all grass. What did you have to do in the very beginning to start regenerating the soil and this environment right here to what it's become today? So this garden is at a church and they had 7,500 square feet of lawn, flat lawn all around me here. The church community wanted to bring their landscape into line with their beliefs. And this is a, this is a Quaker, Quaker organization. And so what we, we did in working with them and helping them is we came and we first understood, we first observed, you know, what was going on here. So we, we came and we noticed there's a rooftop right here, which in the old way, the, all the water from that rooftop would, would shed off the rooftop and then end up on all the asphalt and all the streets around us. So we thought, okay, how can we keep that water moving more slowly through the, through the land so that it's available for a longer time. We also noticed, of course, that the soil had, she had been really not taken care of for many, many years. And so just like when we are not taken care of, we kind of close up and we isolate ourselves. The soil, she does the exact same thing. When she's not taken care of, she closes up, she becomes hard, she becomes compact. She doesn't want the plant's roots she doesn't want to talk to anyone. She doesn't want to communicate with anyone. She's not exchanging sugars with plant fruits. She's not housing microbes. So what we did was we did a little bit of soil therapy. We covered the, all the lawn. We covered it with cardboard. And then we covered that with, with uh, horse manure. We covered that with wood chips. And then we put some compost in certain areas where we're going to be planting plants. So basically we said to the soil, hey, no one's taken care of you for a long time. Here's a sign of our commitment. We're going to do this. We're going to basically give you this, this buffet. We're going to give you everything you want to start with. And then once we give this, the soil is fed and she's a little bit satisfied, then we can put start when we start putting our plants, putting the trees in, putting some of the native plants in, spreading the wildflower seeds. So that's the basic process. So if someone is deciding today they would like to turn their lawns into a regenerative garden that supports their local e ecosystems, where should they start? Where can they go to learn more from you? And then, of course, how can they support your work as well? I mean, I've been really excited about just seeing how many people are starting to realize that the land in front of them, their yard, their patio, their balcony is the earth. It's not separate from the earth. And that they can they're right there. They can give their, their care and they can find that, they can receive care from that, that soil, that garden that's right in front of them. That's very exciting to me and that's why I teach courses and classes. So there are many resources for learning gardening. I think there's still very few 
that offer this kind of perspective that I am presenting. And so if someone wants to learn from me, they can head to my website, farmerishi.com, or find me on Instagram at farmerishi. I try to do a little bit on social media, you know, just so people get people all around the world can get that little taste of what it is. And then I teach courses through my nonprofit, Servodia Institute, which is at upliftmentofall.org. And I also teach classes through Kiss the Ground. You can find them on Instagram, Kiss the Ground, and their website, kisstheground.com. So, if, you know, wherever you are, try to find me. And if you're in L.A., I, I do a lot of workshops, in-person workshops over here. I also do consulting, so people who are in L.A. Well, even consulting, I do video consulting, too. So wherever you are, I'll be happy to help you. What is an uplifting social media account or a publication you follow or a book that's been really profound for you? A book that's been really profound for me, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. I'm really, I've really been trying to find authors that offer that indigenous perspective and, and her book is awesome. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I think I, I'm still at the point where I keep reminding myself that I'm not separate. What are you working on right now for your health? What I'm, what I'm working on right now for my health is really just practicing presence. It's very hard to listen when your mind is off trying to fix things that are happening in the future. That was my pattern. That's been my pattern. So as a recovering environmentalist, I am trying to stay present and listen to myself, to the garden, to my family. What are you working on to elevate your positive and regenerative impact right now? What I'm working on right now is, a, is actually a new business. I've been really getting more excited about bringing people into really rich and vibrant gardens like, like this one that you see here, where we can associate, where we can start to feel, where we can start to hear, and very importantly, hear ourselves. I think our, our society has a way of, of silencing our inner voice really well. And I really just want to offer people spaces where they can connect with themselves, connect with the plants, connect with the soil, and, and hear themselves again. And what makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment? What makes me most hopeful is realizing that nothing's wrong. And really, really deeply trying to sink into that, that there's, there's nothing wrong. And, and really that this is, this is a process that the earth had to go through and the earth chose to go through and there's nothing that needs to be fixed. No one is broken. The earth is not broken. We are not broken. This is just a, a deep learning process that maybe we don't understand and maybe it's scary, but there's nothing wrong. And finally, what words of wisdom would you like to leave us with? Turn everything off as much as you can. 
and turn your mind off. Try to find a space where you can hear and where you can listen and where you can feel. I think that's more important than anything else.